Hey, welcome to Equippers Church Sermon of the Week. My name is John Sparrow. I'm the lead pastor here at Equippers Church, and I'm thrilled you're tuning in. I believe the message you're about to hear is going to encourage you, inspire you, and equip you for life. If you'd like to know more about Equippers Church and ways to partner with us, please visit equipperscc.com. God bless. All right. Well, good morning again. Amplified version. <laughs> yeah, you got that Bible joke. Yeah. Anyway, it was an amazing time in Wales with that team. Um, I love mission trips, I like taking people along. Uh, what happens both internally in the team and then, of course, the deposit that you leave, it's, it's, uh, it lives on and on. And uh, actually, the reason we go back to the UK, Europe, is there's some primary connections there. One of them is with uh, you know, now Equippers Church UK, which is Peter Prothero, but there's a number of people in this church that started going there in 2003, and uh, we started doing an annual conference, and then that branched out. And so those connections go way back because of mission teams. And following Facebook, our friends in Dublin observed that we took a team to Wales, so I got a phone call. <laughs> so things are in the works, and it's not a construction project, it's a community outreach. And so, yeah, male, female, invited, multiple ages, we'll keep you posted. But they, husband, wife, got on the phone yesterday, and they, one was, they were blasting us. So, amen. It's going to be great. They're just getting a new building. How many have seen uh, Downton Abbey? What's that? Mo- that one. Have you seen the building? And that's where they're, what their new location looks like. And uh, so they got multiple rooms, and they're in a brand new, going to be in a brand new neighborhood. And so we need to reach out to that neighborhood. Amen. I'm going this way so I can see what we got up there. All right. Well, let's start with prayer. And I don't, I'm not going to take a long time, but uh, Father, we thank you so much for looking at this principle of reaching out and looking at the life of Jesus to see an example of that. And I pray the spirit of wisdom and revelation is present in the room. You give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see. And Lord, you have an amazing way of taking uh, the Word of God and making it personal. You, you showed us in the book of Acts that you, you did something that every man could hear in his own language. And so I thank you this morning that something happens in every heart and every mind. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Part four of Home is Where the Heart Is. And uh, as John's been going over, Josiah's been going over in an amazing way. Uh, values is, there's vision, but then there's values. The vision is like where you're going, but the values are the why. And uh, we know this, behavioral psychologists know this, uh, sociologists know this, marketing people know this, that if you can solve the why in someone's life, that you can create a motivated human being. And and God knows that. And uh, so values is that internal part of us that we, we put uh, judgment towards, we put energy towards because we know it's, it's the driving force behind the church. And uh, so our principles again, I can't read them. Oh, yes, I can this small. I could do that. No, I'll go right here. I should have brought my readers. Honor. I'm glorifying God in everything I do. Amen. We've covered that lots of times. As a matter of fact, uh, the glory of God is a man fully alive is a quote from one of the, the saints, and we love that. Honoring God is, is being alive unto Him in everything we do. To excel, I'm following Christ and becoming like Him. 
That's in our DNA. That's in your operating system. I don't know if you know this, but you've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. So no matter what your life looks like, no matter what kind of vocational path, what kind of profession you're in, circumstances in your life, if you're a believer, will come up with the intention of causing you to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Because it, it doesn't really matter the paths that we're on. What matters is we get to that place of being like Him. Amen? So, so that's working. And uh, it's better if you yield to it. <laughs> Advance. I'm using my gifts to serve God's purpose. That's right. That's, that's part of advancing is that connecting together with who he made us to be. And so today we're going to talk about reaching out. And uh, the subtitle, I'm on a mission to save the lost. How many in here are on that mission? And I've never been called a chameleon before. But um, I agree with the principle. There, there's something that I can't take credit for. There's, I just say, a grace of God in me. And uh, I got a commission from the Lord one day, and uh, he told me that my mandate was going to be to, he was going to teach me how to love people perfectly. And when that happened, and I heard that, I was on an airplane flying into Chicago, and it wrecked me. And I had a literal emotional meltdown because it answered so many questions that I was asking the Lord, and it came so profound. But one of the things I realized in that commission was the only way you can do that is try to see the world through someone else's eyes and, and meeting people where they're at. And so there was a grace that began to work, and I can just say I'm on a mission to save the lost, and we're going there together. Amen? And when we think about the harvest and you think about that commissioning, you, you would go to John chapter 4 often because Jesus said this, do not say there's still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they're already white for harvest. And, and so that, that scripture about the harvest fields are white for harvest, we hear that a lot. And um, that's the scripture that's prophesied, the fields are white, God's bringing in the harvest. And when, when you go there in your imagination, what do you think of when you think about the fields are white for harvest? You, you would see usually a field. And uh, that makes sense. And so you see this field, and, and I've been with Alan before cutting hay out at the ranch, and he, he's got a, a mower, and, and the, I remember one year in particular that the hay had grown up about this high, and it had stalks that looked like wheat, and cutting that down the, and, and seeing it behind you, that the, it would cut it down and then put it into rows that could layer, layer, later be bundled into bales that could then go into storage, but it was amazing watching that, these fields that we were just mowing down, gathering, and then it would turn into bales behind it. And you think about, and it gets prophesied that way about, hey, the fields are white, God's all about harvest, we're going to harvest, and you think about the field. But actually, if you know, a field is consists of millions of stocks, amen? Like a field, a wheat field, is really millions of individual stocks that collectively become the field, but individually, they're the stocks. It is kind of interesting to, to think about this. When Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look at the field for the already white for harvest, it was after he had just had a one-on-one -on -one encounter with the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. And so I think that's important because as Christians, when we say the fields are white, you always think about, you know, going in and somebody's going to mow the field. 
But the reality is that every stock, one by one, has to be one. The fields are right, things are ready, but, but it's an individual thing. Jesus fed the multitude, but he's all about the, the one, leaving the 99 for the one, because that's where that encounter, that's where the winning of the heart comes. So I'm going to go through and, and just read this encounter with the woman at the well, and then we're going to break that down and, and talk about reaching out. So it says, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through that was one of the few places that you'll ever find in the New Testament where Jesus reveals a need. It just doesn't talk. He's just not a needy guy, right? And this is one place that says he needed to go through Samaria. And you think about, why did he need to go through Samaria? Well, you, it'll get answered in the story. But one thing Jesus has in this, he's got a, a real problem. And I mean, it's something that messed with him, it's something that messed with us, it always messes with your systematic theology, it messes with your biblical philosophy, that as soon as you think you figured out something shifts, and you always look back and you tie it to this need he has, he so loves the world, he so loves the world, that he was willing to be given by God to come to the earth on a mission. And this is one of those times. Something was working in his spirit. I mean, he, he was working and because the, the gospel came first to the Jews and he, you know, he's healing and, and miracles are happening. He's getting a following. He's preaching and teaching the kingdom. But he so loves the world, he's got to go to Samaria. He's got to cross over. He's got to go to the enemy, so to speak. He's got to somehow get the gospel to an unreached people. And even told them, I got, I've got sheep of another flock that I've got to tend to. And the, the challenge around him, the question was always circulating, is this the Messiah of the Jews? And what we see oftentimes in the conflict was he was living out dual roles. Not only was he Messiah to the Jews, but he's the Savior of the whole world. So there was a need for that expression. We have to go through Samaria. I've got to tell him about the kingdom. And so, so he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, maybe, <laughs> near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for my disciples are gone away into the city to buy food. When the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was, or who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Well, what do we see? Jesus reached out. Amen. He's at the well, and, and there's still remnants of it. it. It's not just a hole in the ground, it's stone, and it's got a, a fairly wide cap around it. So you, he's probably actually sitting on the edge of the well when he encountered the woman. And we know it's about noon, it's in the story, and the woman came out at that time of day, which isn't the time when people come to get water, it's the heat of the day, but 
there's some reason the woman was there at noon and allowed a one-on-one encounter with Jesus. And so the story goes on. The woman said to him, Sir, give me the water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. You'll, you'll find out how much that, nor will I have to come here to draw if you give me the water, how much that was important to her, to her heart. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have said, well, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you are with not now is not your husband. In that you have truly spoken. The woman said to her, sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is a place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And at that point, his disciples came and marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? But the hour, but the hour is coming when the true worshipers, oh, I didn't go over there. So then John 4, it says, the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the man, come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. Now, you probably read this story several times, and as I have, but it was the last time. that This was probably January or February. I was reading that, and, I, and I, I've not, I know the story pretty well, but something jumped out to me that I really hadn't considered before. We, we know in the this, in this Scripture that it's revealed that she's currently living with a guy and that she's had five husbands. And we know from the story that she came at the odd hour and she said, if you could give me this living water, I won't have to come to this place anymore. Well, obviously it's hard work, but she's drawing from the middle of the day because she doesn't come at social hour for some reason when all the other women gather in the morning to draw water. You think, I wonder if that has anything to do with your reputation. I wonder if it has anything to do with men in the city. Wonder if it has anything to do with women in the city. That you would be by yourself in the heat of the day, come to draw water. But in this case, you had an opportunity to meet with Jesus. And so you think about that phrase, come see a man who told me all things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? That should be normally in the story a phrase connected to shame. Right? He told me all things that I did. That, that's where we jump to. Well, she's not a woman of great reputation. There's always, obviously a lot of brokenness that's going on there. And now Jesus tells her all things, and it motivates her enough to run back and gather men together and say, guess who I met? Somebody who could tell me all things about my life. 
How could that go from a place of shame to a place of joy that would motivate her? Not only did she go and do that and gather them and have the conversation, it said she left her water pot. She was motivated. Something's going on, right? Something of shame turned to joy that motivated her to reach out. Interesting. She did say this, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will tell us all things. So she had a faith. The Samaritans had a different form of worship, but it was connected back to the same Old Testament, this Moses, etc. So she said, I know Messiah is coming. She didn't say we. I think she said I, didn't she? I know Messiah is coming. So something was working in her. I, I just look at that as I would look at normal life at people that we encounter. And when there's an openness to the gospel, there's usually something already in their life. There's a question. There is an attitude. There is, I wish God would come make himself real. I wish I could know what this life is about. I, I wish I could know what the purpose for my life. I wish I could understand why my trail of brokenness just went from one person to another, to a husband, to a husband, to a husband, to a husband, to a live-in. I wish, wish I could understand that when Messiah comes, he's going to tell us all things. When Messiah comes, he'll be able to explain that. So she's living in that. She's living it in her heart. Jesus is miles and miles away. Probably perceived it, just like the Gadarene. There's somebody that's hungry. There's somebody that would like their life sorted out. There's somebody that would like to understand the meaning of life and somehow put the pieces together in this trail of brokenness. And so he goes and finds her. And an encounter is set up. And Jesus said, you don't find this in other places in the Gospels. I who speak to you am he. Most of the time he's saying, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody. He's trying to keep the timing right as the multitudes are pressing in and his reputation is growing. In this case, he actually revealed himself to her. I am the Christ. So you, you see in a, an encounter, in this reaching out, something had to happen where we, we understand this about him. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to him. There's something that Paul said about Jesus we see manifest in that passage. He says, now, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. He knew her story. He was able to tell her all things about her life. But he didn't impute her sin. He didn't know her after the flesh. That his, his regard, he saw her through the eyes. I know what the kingdom of God can do in you when it comes alive in you. I know that when you recognize who it is in front of you, if you will drink this living water, things become new. And he makes the offer. If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says, give you a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given, he would have given you living water. 
Because you know, this is one thing about Jesus. When he would retell the story of your life, it wouldn't be the same one that you're living with in your head. It wouldn't be the same one the neighbors talk about, the ladies talk about. It wouldn't be the same gossip. It wouldn't be a revisiting of every place of brokenness, every failure, every time you screwed up. That's not how the story would go. How do you know that? Well, it's the same thing about David, one of the most broken Bible characters that we have. And, and the, the, what's said about his legacy, he did all that was in God's heart. There's other things. David is praised in history. But we get more blow to blow, blow by blow about his life, and there's all kinds of failures. Rahab the harlot's in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Lot is called righteous in Peter's <laughs> recollection of him. That when God looks at a life, and he looks at it for the, through the purpose and the accomplishment of somebody finding him, somebody going on a journey, he doesn't tell the story the same way people tell it. Jesus is telling a different story of your life. He sees things that you don't see. He knows strengths that he put in you. He knows giftedness that he put in you. And he's just proud of you for wanting to be one of his worshipers. And the things that would be highlighted by the enemy, the accuser of the brethren, he's not repeating them. He's not imputing them. He's reconciling. It's telling a different story to help you understand past so you can understand present so you'll follow him into the future. He's building trust. And he'll never shame you openly. He hides. He covers. Love covers a multitude of sin. Does the Holy Spirit convict sin? Yes, the Holy Spirit will convict us of sin, but not to broadcast it. Amen. He doesn't have a page on Facebook. Guarantee it. You'll never see your sin on Instagram with God being the author. Maybe people, but not God. He's not into that. And the cool thing for us is, now all things are of God who's reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though we are pleading, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Amen? So we see Jesus reaching out. The reason that was a successful encounter, he didn't impute. He had a word of knowledge, and he, he confirmed to her when she said, well, I don't have a husband. He used that opportunity to say, what you said is truth. And not only that, he had a word, a word of knowledge, revelation by the Holy Spirit. And that works really well when you get revelation by the Holy Spirit when you're reaching out. And you can, it can happen. Like, it happened in Wales. And it's amazing being with Ed or Rick Bognuda, leading into conversations with strangers, the word of knowledge that they lead into to open hearts and create a conversation. It's a very powerful way of reaching out. And that's what happened. And her heart opened. He reached out and she reached out back. And you know what? This is a season where people reach back. It really is. There, there, I, I can't remember recently a, being rejected or cut off in an initiation. It always leads to at least a partial story or at least a partial connection. It leads, you know, I always come away feeling like, well, I just put a seed of hope there. Yeah. I just planted something and, and it, maybe in this ministry of reconciliation, I can help people who have been hurt by the church 
think differently. I can help people who have an immediate reaction to Christians because of the media feed that I can help change that. I put a seed. I don't always wind up leading someone or praying with somebody, but it's still, it's a ministry of reconciling the world. It's a ministry of gathering. Lots of times you're sowing before you ever reap, but it's an exciting thing to know that, hey, I'm an ambassador for God. It's not me. That's because I'm in ministry. I did this years before I was full-time ministry and, and bivocational for 10 and a half years in the middle. A reconciler, an ambassador, reaching out. And you really, but you, you find out that there's more openness right now than ever before. And, and I just think it's important for all of us to say, hey, you know what? The reason why we're here and most of us, I'd say, are secure in our eternity and secure in who we are in God, but the reason why is because somebody reached out. Amen? Someone reached out on your behalf. I remember for me, I, a guy that was at junior college, and, and I'd met him just a few times, and he shows up on my work, my job site. I don't even know how he put together some pieces because he was stalking me. And he shows up on a Friday, and there he is, Tom. And he's, I said, what are you doing here? I just took the day off so I could come and talk to you. Do you have a few minutes? And he just started sharing with me about the gospel, and my heart opened. And then he invited me to come to Calvary Chapel on the following Monday night, and that's when I, I publicly went forward. But I remember sitting there talking to him, and as he was talking, God was just taking his words and making them truth in my heart. And I know it was actually that encounter that I, where I accepted Jesus. I just formally did it on Monday because when he left, I took off running. I just ran through this long driveway. I was working at a, a six-story condominium in Corona Del Mar right on the water. I ran all the way down, and I sat on a planter, and I was sitting on the planter. I put my head down, and I just wanted to pray. And I remember in my heart, I said, Father. Wow. Amen. Reconciling the world. You have a heavenly Father. The, the enemy tries to block that. You have a father who cares. And he put care in your heart for people to motivate us to reach out. Amen. So this lady, she goes back. Small print and tears to look through. It's tough. <laughs> and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman that, who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay. I just think again about, he told me all that I ever did. Wow. She had a life known for failures, but I wonder if Jesus would recount all the good things that she did. All the times that she cared. All the times that she reached out. She obviously wasn't a shy person. Probably her bold personality is what got her in trouble. She wasn't supposed to be talking to him any more than he was supposed to be talking to her. The protocol of the day would have been to ignore that voice that asked for water. The protocol would have been to just stay shut off, stay isolated. There's already something in her personality that she probably got in trouble for, probably got persecuted for, but Jesus laughed. Hmm. I'm stuck because I'm going to lose it. (laughs) 
So I got to gather myself. I'm feeling extremely loved at the moment. And he stayed there for two days. Why don't you guys read it together? <laughs> this is bigger right here. <laughs> he st- and he stayed there for two days, and many more believed because of, his own, because of his own word. And when they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that he is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Amazing. But you know what? Here's the key. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me. You know what she did? She just told her testimony. Right? She just said, hey, I met this guy. I think he's the Messiah. Why? Because he told me everything I ever did. And we already know that was her belief system. And theirs too. When Messiah comes, he's going to tell us all things. And she just said that. I just met that guy. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. And he stayed with them a couple days and expounded until the whole city was one. And there's, there is a story about the, that began, which later became a church in Samaria, Samaria. It was because of that testimony. Amazing, isn't it? Home is where the heart is. Lord, we just thank you for uh, reaching out. Thank you that people reached out to us. Thank you. It started because you reached out to the world. And I pray if there's anyone in the room today who doesn't know you, that they're feeling you reaching out. Thank you. They're hearing your invitation that you make to people. Where you said, behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. If any man hears my voice and opens his heart, You said, I'll come in and I'll commune with him. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Reach out. Reach out to those who are sitting here and those who might watch us online. I pray you reach out. Thank you for an invitation that's for whosoever will. You don't qualify or disqualify. Thank you. It's whosoever will. Thank you, Jesus. I'd like to invite us all to pray a prayer together. And different Sundays we do this differently, but I I just, today, I don't know, maybe it's just uh, an overwhelming grace, but I want to make it as easy as possible. So we're going to pray a prayer together like most of us did at some point in our life when we made a personal invitation to Jesus. And if you're here and you've never invited the Lord into your heart to become your personal Savior, then you can pray along with us. And He will hear you. One thing I'm confident in in the process that it isn't about performance. It's not about trying to please the preacher. Please don't. It's exhausting. Amen. Just be, just be sincere in your heart 
to God and he does the work. Amen. So we're going to pray right now and I just ask us all to join together. So let's just, uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for our sins. He paid the price for us. And we open our hearts right now. And we welcome you, Jesus, into our lives to become real, to have communion with us, to lead us, to answer our questions. Thank you that you're faithful. You promised it, and you do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I pray that you are feeling encouraged, inspired, and equipped to take on whatever you may be facing in this life. And hey, why don't you consider joining us? We meet every Sunday at the Clark Center in Arroyo Grande at 10 a.m., and it's always a good time. We'd love to have you with us. And for any more information, ways you can partner with us, please visit equipperscc.com. God bless.